Hello, Dr. Moshe. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? I'm very fine. Thank you. How is the climate there? Uh, cold and now become somewhat warmer, but uh, we had a storm uh, just a few days ago. Oh, okay. The weather is changing and that is because of environmental changes, right? Uh, I guess. I don't, you know, it's winter too. Yeah, because some uh, in some areas of Saudi Arabia, we have witnessed uh, uh, like it's everywhere. Ice is there, snow is there, and storms are there in uh, taking place in uh, USA. And people are pretty upset with the climate change things. And today's our topic again, it's about environment and in particular uh, environment and Islam. Uh, what Islam says about environment, how sensitive Islam is about environment, and uh, uh, how Islam treats environment or a value environment. That is today's topic. And I'm really thankful that you joined us for uh, this podcast. Thank you. So I would like to invite you to talk about environment and Islam. All right. So uh, as I said in the podcast uh, two weeks ago, Islam has some uh, environmental values inherent uh, in it. One of them is the Tawheed, that everything is really encompassing, that uh, God is encompassing everything, including human beings, including uh, nature, including the environment around us. And therefore, but uh, and they put uh, human beings as guardians of the environment. They are not rulers in the. Uh, they are not mm-hmm. rulers of the world. They are guardians of the world in Islam. That's uh, because he gave the choice to the mountains, to others, uh, whoever they want to to be the guardians. They didn't want only human beings wanted. So, uh, you want, uh, but to be a guardian means to keep uh, the balance. The ba- uh, according to Islam, balance is very important. Everything is done in balance, hmm. meaning water and rain is go- going down in balance. Hmm. Uh, resources are balanced with human beings' needs. Everything is in balance in in the in nature. Now, if we violate if we violate this balance, mm. then there is imbalance, and then also the environment suffers as well as human beings. Mm. And uh, the one who does that, if it is a human being, that's uh, a huge uh, sin. Mm. And um, so this is a part of uh, the whole thing. And therefore, uh, Islam is really one, uh, I would say, one of even the greenest monotheistic religion, in a way. Because it uh, sprang in deserts without much resources. If you look at the Quran, uh, you will see the the word water appearing Mm. many times. Mm. 
a lot of times even. Yeah. And uh, this means the importance of water to human beings and before Islam and of course after Islam in mm. the environment it grew in, which is desert. Mm. Mm. And then there is also the that you need to really uh, participate in taking care and the use and the accessibility to resources, natural resources, hmm. like land, like fire, which is energy, and like uh, grass, which is really the, uh, the agriculture. Hmm. However, uh, in the Arab world today, and the Muslim world, uh, mo it's mostly uh, consists of deserts. That's right. And therefore, uh, the amount of arable land that is uh, in this part of the world is really about 11-10% uh, of the whole mm. land. Mm. Which, which means that most Muslim countries cannot really sustain their food and water needs by themselves. Hmm. And they need to import them. Hmm. And uh, therefore there is uh, a clash between the balance hmm. between humans and nature now there is really a wish to change this balance so that this imbalance to create a new balance. Hmm. Now, what makes it harder to achieve this goal is the problem of population growth. Right. And the fact that really Islam doesn't have solutions to this issue. Hmm. Uh, now rulers, for example, in Egypt, uh, Abdel Fattah Sisi is calling uh, now, is doing a campaign of only two, two children. Right. For which family? It will not work because uh, in the countryside people are very, uh, I mean, traditional and in uh, mm. traditional Islamic societies mm. you will have as, as many children as you can get. Yeah, I have four. All right. Uh, for example, in, in Jewish families, there are many families, uh, especially in Haredi families, that uh, they have nine or ten or eleven. So four is uh, quite good. Yeah, it sounds good. If, it, if, if, this, if, if this is the number of wives. <laughs> right. For kids. For kids, we can we can tolerate the bigger number. Exactly, exactly. So um, there is this population growth, which really puts a lots of a lot of pressure on mm. uh, deteriorating environmental resources, natural resources like land, food, mm. energy, mm. and uh, water, yeah. especially in the growing cities. Mm. 
So now, Islam, there are many Islamic movements that try to, let's say, create a solution hmm. to, to this environmental crisis that hmm. the Muslim countries are uh, founding it themselves in. Hmm. And uh, there are all sorts of solutions. I mean, yeah. um, I mean, if you take the, if you look, for example, let's begin with the Sufi point of view. Yeah. Uh, in the poetry of Jalal ad-Din Rumi. from the 12th century, uh, 13th century, sorry, we, we can see a lot of uh, mentions of environmental issues, hmm. which means that what he saw as environment was something really not separated from human beings. That's right. He saw environment again as part of the Tawhid with God and human beings, mm. and also as companions of human beings, mm. and signs of God that mm. are in animals, in other other creatures, plants, and others. Mm. So we saw environment as something very rich, very fascinating, mm. that can really enrich human beings, mm and uh, not only be for their service, but again, it's their companion. They need to treat it as their companion, hmm. as part of the whole universe. And because, and it is very understandable because uh, if we take Sufism, we see all the concepts of Mahaba, the love of God, uh, hmm. being uh, trying to be part of God, being to really get closer as much as possible to God. Hmm. And you cannot do that without being in, without being in your environment. That's right. So it makes a lot of sense that Sufism will relate to environment very deeply. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even Islam, it, Islam prohibits uh, prohibits uh, the tree cutting activities during war. Uh, they were always environmental friendly people, uh, especially about the water reservoirs. Islam prohibits uh, uh, people to violate the water reservoirs or demolish the water reservoirs. And uh, there are so many uh, sayings of Prophet about the water wells. And there is a lot of stories of appreciation uh, where uh, the Prophet has uh, had appreciated the fellows uh, who bought the water wells and uh, uh, they opened it for everyone uh, because you know at that time of uh, uh, there was a water trade uh, like the owner of the well was charging money uh, for water there was there were some uh, 
examples of uh, these kind of stories are there so islam always they they islam always advocates uh, the environmental protection and set up uh, rules for that yeah right so now the issue is how you protect the environment uh, across islamic lines hmm. meaning each uh, there are many islams different yeah. kinds of islams yeah each one has another solution of hmm. how to really protect the environment hmm. However, everyone agrees that Islam is the best uh, solution mm. for protecting mm. the environment. The question is how. How? Yeah, that's the big question. That's the big. And uh, Islam always advocates uh, the protection of environment, and there are Muslims who are uh, not protecting, but they are uh, threatening the environment. So there is a difference between Islam and Muslims. Oh, that's why the podcast today is about Islam, not Muslims. Yeah. That's Although you will be surprised which Muslims, uh, I mean, uh, will I will show that really want to protect the environment. Hmm. But uh, let's begin with uh, the organization of Islamic conference. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, this is the organization that really uh, Hello, Dr. Mushar. Uh, yeah. Can you listen to me? Really, yeah. Sorry? Yeah. I lost you, so now you are back. So please continue. Yeah. yeah, so the Organization of Islamic Conference yeah. uh, all the time announced its commitment to the Paris Agreement mm -hmm. and uh, to, low, uh, to get to the goals, to achieve the goals of climate change. Mm -hmm. And uh, also it really tries to work together in order, um, in order to enhance the issue mm. of environmental security, uh, mm. basically water security, energy security, and food security. Mm. Although it also deals with desertification, because as I said before, desert is consisting uh, a, a huge part of all the Muslim, most of the mm. Muslim states, countries. Mm. Mm. So uh, the organization of Islamic. Uh, this organ uh, conference has really an environmental part to it. Hmm. And uh, it really tries to work together with all the member states in order uh, hmm. to enhance um, joint activities hmm. and joint initiatives to protect the environment. Hmm. Now, we are talking Muslims are comprising, uh, I think, 25% uh, of the population of the world today, or about yeah. this number. Yeah. They are the second or the first, I'm not sure, uh, largest uh, religion in the world. Mm. I don't know if second still or first, I'm not sure. 
because yeah, now the there is a lot of conversion to Islam. Yeah, there are. There are. Yeah, there are a lot of converts all around the world, uh, also in the West, in Africa, in Asia, everywhere. Mm. So I'm not sure about mm. the numbers. Mm. But let's say from what I know recently, it's 25% more or less. Mm. Yeah. So if all the Muslim countries are uniting in order to tackle this uh, environmental issue, it means really a lot for the whole world. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, that uh, religion, as big as mm. Islam, is really uniting to save the mm. environment. Mm. That's something uh, that may be big. Yeah. So that's one activity that is being mm. uh, conducted. Other activities are that uh, governments are employing imams or religious leaders hmm. in order uh, to suit their policies hmm. and uh, to deliver them to the Muslims in the various countries, hmm. either through uh, khutbas yeah. or through fatwas. Hmm. So I will give an example of, let's say again, uh, Egypt. Hmm. Let's take Egypt. So there was a fatwa a few years back saying that uh, uh, it's not allowed to burn a rice, uh, rice in uh, Cairo. Okay. Now, the issue is that burning of rice creates uh, air pollution mm. and a lot of smog. Yeah, <clears throat> that's right. And uh, therefore, if you burn it a lot, it mm. creates huge air pollution and then people mm. are dying from air pollution. Mm. So in order to not to lessen the issue, the problem, mm. the Egyptian government asked, the, I think it was the Lazar Mufti or someone else to mm. issue a fatwa mm. uh, prohibiting the, the burning of rice. However, as we know, when you mm. try to prohibit something that is already in tradition, mm. it doesn't go so well. Mm. So they continue. They continued with it despite it. But again, this is just one example. Mm. Another example is uh, the issue of saving water. Right. As I said before, water is very scarce in the Arab and mm. Muslim world. Mm. Now you experience it in Pakistan as well. Yeah. So the issue is how to save water, not only mm. how to solve the issue of the water scarcity, but how to save what there is. So here they use uh, phrases from the Quran, 
which talk about uh, gain balance, which talk mm. about the fact that uh, God uh, gives everything in measure, including water. Yeah. And uh, therefore, we cannot really, uh, you know, spend it. Yeah, always. Exactly. So we need to really use it wisely. Yeah. And to use every resource wisely, in a wise way. And all this is really part of many uh, curriculums in mm. uh, the Arab world and the Muslim world in, uh, in, in schools, for example. Mm. Mm. And also, again, it comes again and again in khutbas. Mm. And therefore, uh, now in many Muslim uh, countries, they are building uh, green mosques. Yeah. Which means uh, photovoltaic solar facilities mm-hmm. and water-saving uh, machines in order not to waste. Right. So this is really a huge part of now uh, what uh, Arab and Muslim governments are trying to do, to use Islam in order really to create a sort of environmental security for, Mm. first of all, for themselves and their stability. Mm. But secondly, for the people themselves. Mm. Now, now, if we take, for example, uh, part of, for example, very, I mean, a part of urban Islam, hmm. Islam in urbanic areas, hmm. are the gardens. Hmm. You don't have almost cities without gardens. I mean, hmm. Muslim cities. Yeah. And, and gardens are very important, not only architectonically, but also mm. religiously. Because mm. in the Quran, it is mentioned a lot, the garden. Mm. Not necessarily the garden of Eden, mm. but the garden of the hereafter. Yeah. Yeah. Where people reach to after they die, yeah. And what expects them there? Yeah. So many gardens are trying to emulate not the Garden of Eden, but the Garden of the Hereafter. Hmm. And just to do it in a very beautiful way, symmetric way, and also using water wisely. And uh, you can see it also, again, if we turn to Pakistan, you can see Mm. it very much in Lahore. Mm. Yeah. The gardens there, also of the Mughal rulers, Mm. and also of Sufi shrines. Yep. But many of them have also gardens and mm. are called really tomb gardens. Mm. 
and 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 again this is really a sufi notion also that mm. the person is part of his environment mm. And therefore, also the term garden hmm. is part of this notion. Hmm. Now there are also there is also the issue of uh, nature reserves. Hmm. So haram and harim. Harim is really for water resources, to mm. protect water resources, and Haram mm. is for natural resources. Mm. Um, so the first Haram was Mecca and El Medina. That's how it is specified in the Quran. That mm. you cannot hunt there you cannot really uh, do there anything that uh, upsets nature and the balance mm. between nature and human beings. Now, and there is also Harim, which which is a pre-Islamic issue, mm. and which which means that you need also again because it sprang up, it sprang out of the desert. Mm. You need to protect your water resources. Hmm. or especially the communal water resources. Now, in order to do that, also in Saudi Arabia, for example, also in Indonesia, they are creating special natural reserves, both Haram hmm. and Harim, to protect both, for example, the rainforests in Indonesia hmm. and water resources in Saudi Arabia. All right. And uh, if we turn now to another kind of uh, Islam, hmm. we can still in the Sunni world, yeah. we can see radical Islam. Hmm. Uh, one of the very huge proponents of, hmm. uh, of environmentalism in radical Islam was uh, Osama bin Laden. Okay. Osama bin Laden said few times, also in videotapes, also in a letter to the American people, hmm. that they must stop to waste, they must stop pollute. They must stop uh, all, all this uh, negligence of environment. Mm. And uh, in 2002, he wrote that uh, the U.S. must be part of the Kyoto Agreement, and it's a shame it is not, mm. uh, because it's uh, one of the main polluters in the world. Later, he said, uh, in few in a videotape and in another letter to the American people mm. that uh, Obama should join uh, should join the uh, should join the agreement on clim climate change mm. and even that the American people should make a revolution against mm. the regime in order to help Obama uh, mm. which was then chosen to be the president. Mm. 
to really get the U.S. into the the, the climate change. Mm. So uh, Bin Laden is a very surpri- surprising character who also mm. used uh, to destroy environment, but but really was a huge uh, fan of environmentalism. He was an environmentalist. Mm. Wow. That's a compliment uh, to Bin Laden, by the way. Uh, but uh, yes, it's a compliment, but apparently, you know, uh, we, we have the truth in the writing. Mm. Mm. Right. So it's not something, uh, so the issue is if he was a real environmentalist or he wanted to use environment to achieve his own aims. Mm. Uh, this is controversial, but because there is a lot of things he wrote concerning environmentalism and mm. the importance of protecting the environment, it seems mm. like he was really an environmentalist, which is mm. hard to believe, but it seems like. That's, that's strange. That surprised uh, me, by the way. Yeah, um, also there is uh, another uh, Sunni Sunni uh, movement which is called the Hizb al-Tahrir. Yeah. It was established in uh, 1953 in Jerusalem. Mm. Its aim is uh, to really create a whole caliphate. Mm which encompasses the whole Muslim world and is ruled by Sharia law. Now, in uh, 2009, they published a whole uh, booklet Hmm. about the environmental crisis. Wow. In which, yes, it's about uh, 50 pages. Hmm. Uh, They published it both in Arabic and in English. And they said that uh, the West and the Western culture are to blame for the environmental crisis of today. Mm. And uh, therefore, the only solution is Islam. Mm. Only Islam can protect environment and only under Sharia law. Okay. So they, they built their uh, argument for Khilafat through environment, or they used environmental sensitivity to build their argument as well. Exactly. Hmm. And this is all because the environmental awareness is growing also in the Arab world and Muslim world and also in the West. And therefore, all those radical Islamic organizations are really uh, trying to use environment in order Hmm. to achieve their goals. Hmm. Makes sense. That makes sense. Popular Um, slogans are there. They always adopt popular slogans. Yeah. Yes. And uh, we have also now in the Shi front, Hmm. we have uh, the Aga Khan development. Yeah. Which really, it took the environmental issue very seriously. Before many others, Hmm. from the 1950s or 60s, Hmm. 
when he created this uh, foundation mm. and he tries really to make development and protect, protecting the environment as the caller ID of the Ismaili sect of the Shia. Mm. And as you know, we did a lot in Pakistan as well in those issues, hmm. especially in the northern part of Pakistan. Hmm. But he did a lot of development work, a lot of trying to train people how hmm. to keep the resources safe. Hmm. Uh, how to manage resources. Uh, yeah. how to not deplete hmm. and is uh, really part also of all this Paris agreement and everything hmm. and again we see so both from the Shiite world and the Sunni world hmm. we see a lot more awareness about environmental issues not necessarily because it is Islamic, partly yes, yeah. like with the Ismaili or the mm. Aga Khan example, mm. but mostly not. Mm. What they try to do is really to take Islam and use it in order mm. to keep the stability of the regimes. Mm. And uh, in order to to do that, also to to create some security for the people. And today, security for the people in this era means environmental security. That you need to really sustain all their needs. Mm -hmm. I mean, their basic needs, which is food, mm. which is water, which is energy. Mm. In some parts, uh, for example, in Saudi Arabia, in Oman, the desert just, uh, you know, cover, covers all villages. Mm. So people need to move from village to village. Mm. It happens also in Sudan, in other places. So uh, all those issues are also existent in the Arab and Muslim world. So those are mm. real issues that the governments are trying to tackle, but they're also using uh, Islam for that. Hmm. So as you said, not all, Islam is not Muslims, and we need to hmm. differentiate. Yeah. There are many Muslims who just use environment as a, as a weapon. Yeah, that's true. Like all the terrorist groups. They all? All. Uh, but there are also Muslims, not only religious, I mean, not only imams and others, but also Muslims who care about the environment. Yeah. And then they create uh, civil movements which are religious mm. in order to really. Uh, take care of the environment from mm. an Islamic point of view. Not used by governments, but because it is something Islamic. This mm. is also going on, 
also in Muslim communities in the West and also in mm. the Arab and Muslim world. Mm. And uh, they collaborate with each other. That's right. That's right. So tell me, Dr. Moshe, one thing that uh, what do you think which is the country under threat? Or if we make a list of countries, Muslim countries facing the environmental challenges or th threats, on th which are the top three countries? Depends on what uh, on what issues. If we talk, for example, about scarcity of water, yeah, one of them is Pakistan. Mm. On top three. Ah no, it's not. I'm. Uh, I'm not sure it's on top, but I think it's on the very top. On, on top, but not on the very top. Okay. Afghanistan, Pakistan, yeah. uh, Jordan. Okay, Jordan too. Jordan, Morocco. Oh. Uh, other countries as, as well. I mean, all the Middle East is uh, really water scarce. Hmm. Almost all the all of the Middle East. Now even Turkey in Istanbul, we don't know if yeah. they will, will have water. Yeah. So uh, uh, countries that were once, uh, you know, uh, affluent with water are, are not anymore. Hmm. That's true. That's true. There also, is no in Pakistan, also in Pakistan, you didn't have this problem of water, uh, let's say, 30 years back. Yeah. So uh, we, we are now in a changing world. Yeah, that's right. We are now in a changing world. And yeah. I guess this is a big challenge for Pakistan. And while we have the glaciers in uh, our country, but still we are not... Uh, able to manage the water resources in a proper way. So that's a big challenge for us as well. Right. Right now, uh, your president is trying to build a lot of dams. Yeah, uh, at least yeah. he's speaking about it. I, I, I wonder the biggest uh, water reservoir of uh, Kalabagh Dam is somewhere in the discussion or not, but I don't know. Yeah, but people are talking about this issue for some some years and they are doing something something seriously but it needs a lot to do yes yes this is a huge issue especially mm. in pakistan where you have i mean a lot of people hmm. we have lots. and there are not, not much water hmm. that's right especially when groundwater is depleting so Past. That is a problem here. That is a problem here. That is a problem here. So, uh, so yes, also in India and also mm. in uh, other countries in the area, Afghanistan. Mm. Yeah, Afghanistan uh, has yeah. serious challenges. Yeah, now they also are, are blocking, gun blocking dams from mm. the Ka the Kabul River to Pakistan. So yeah. There are a lot of issues also between countries, inside the countries. The next wars will be because of water. 
It may be, although uh, again, we right now see a lot of issues concerning water. Let's give mm. an example, the, the Nile, in the Nile, mm. the Renaissance mm. Dam between uh, Egypt, Sudan and Ethiopia. Mm. There is no war going on mm. there, although you can say that the war that is now between uh, in in the Tigray region in mm. Ethiopia is part of it, but really Egypt is not going to go to a war with mm. Ethiopia. Sudan is basically in skirmishes with Ethiopian mm. forces, but not a blown out war. Hmm. So there is still no war happening there, and this is really one of the most uh, tensed places now uh, yeah. concerning uh, water issues. But also you and India have some conflict. Hmm. Hmm. So uh, we don't know. We just don't know what will happen. Let's pray for the best. Let's pray for the best. And, yeah. Uh, this is uh, something which one individual can do only like we are doing talk about uh, talking about it creating uh, awareness about it making communities sensitize about it but still this is something which needs to be taken care of on a mass level on not on a community level but on a national level or international level and governments and states should be like I, I really appreciate the American commitment that they appointed person like Senator Kerry, who is very seasoned politician, and they appointed him on uh, an environmental position uh, to take care of environment or to lead the policy of U, uh, U.S. environmental policy. This is something very serious, which show their level of commitment, and. I wish and I hope that my country and the fellow countries and the other countries, they take this environmental issue as serious as they can. Yeah, by the way, just to say something uh, that yeah. Pakistan is really different from other countries, other Muslim mm. countries, Pakistan is one of the, of the only Muslim countries which has environmental courts. Yeah, we have. Yes, but not all Muslim countries have. Yeah, that's right. So Pakistan has this. The yeah. issue is how efficient they are, I don't know, but yeah. at least you have the mechanism. Still, yeah, we still have the mechanism at least. Yeah. Thank you very much, Dr. Moshe, for being with us and enlightening us with the, the uh, topic of today and hope to see you soon and i am sure that we will be discussing red sea next time that is on our list yeah thank you very much Th thank you for your time and hope to see you soon thank you